Hi, I'm Talissa. And I'm Rachel, and this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. Every week, we will both cover a separate story with a running theme. Disclaimer, this podcast will contain swearing and details that some people may find offensive. If you are of a sensitive disposition, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Transatlantic Crime. Good morning, Talissa. Good afternoon, Rachel. It's yeah, <laughs> question it's a uh, question mark. It's what time is it here? Quarter, no, it's quarter past three, so it is the afternoon. Okay, yeah, yeah, seven a.m. here. So, hi. Oh God, you're so you're so good getting up. <laughs> I wanted to tell you a story that is basically uh, the most British thing that you'll probably ever hear. Okay. Like, laid on me in a long time (laughs) so basically right me and Carly drove home to Andover this weekend and Carly had bought some pork pies right yeah and they are they were chorizo pork pies so it's like an extra extra porky pork pie yes (laughs) like I hadn't really had any breakfast because we were in a rush she was like do you want this pork pie I was like fuck me that is rich for the morning (laughs) like just just to kick off with a fucking chorizo pork pie I was like oh but I was really hungry, so I was like, yeah, all right then. So I ate a bit of it, and then I was like, do you know what? I can't do this. Like, it, it tastes like eating pure fat, like, how but not in a nice it? way. It just like it was like a mini pork pie. Okay. So, yeah, I'm trying to think how big that is, like a pot, like a bit bigger than a pog. <laughs> <laughs> For all you 90s Retro kids reference. out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, a bit bigger than a pog. Like a mini muffin. Um, yeah, yeah, that's way more relatable. Anyway, I so I couldn't eat any more of it, and I was like, oh I don't want this so I just like put it on like the bit of the dashboard that I knew it wouldn't move and car and then as we were pulling away from the petrol station Carly was like oh there's a bin there she went I'm gonna try and throw this in the bin (laughs) and like (laughs) the hole was about the hole of the bin was about as big as a cd so we're thinking half a mini muffin into a hole as big as a cd from about I don't know about three foot away okay right yeah she went, she went pull up to the bin <laughs> so she wound down the window again cd size hole in the bin yeah. half a mini muffin yeah. you're thrown in there and she's about three foot away from the bin she chucked it in there and it and it went in perfectly and some guy what? across some guy <laughs> some guy across the forecourt was obviously watching and yeah. he went way <laughs> And Carly went, oh my god, did you see that? And he went, yeah. And she went, that was well good, wasn't it? He went, that was fucking brilliant. I wish I'd filmed it. <laughs> I love that. It was the most like British thing, like someone going, well, hey, because yeah. somebody threw a pork pie in a bin <laughs> at a petrol station. Oh my gosh, so British. Oh, it really cheered me up for like the whole ride home. <laughs> well, now I it's cheered my morning it. up. That's fucking great, isn't it? That is just great, isn't it? Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. I love that man, too. He's great. He just had his kid in the car as well, so he's obviously, like, <laughs> had his kids for the weekend. <laughs> Aw. And Carly was like, I wonder why he was looking. I was like, because pumping petrol is boring, yeah. so you're just, like, looking around while you're doing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what I'd do if I mm-hmm. saw something like that here in L.A. I don't know about L.A., but if I was witnessing that, I would definitely have shouted, Yeah! <laughs> 
I probably like would have too. If you drop, if it was two women, if you drop a drink, <laughs> yeah, of course. If you drop a drink in a bar, does does everyone go way? No. Oh, they do here. No. That's English. I know. That's English. That's British. I know. Thing to do. I worked in pubs. <laughs> do you not miss it? <laughs> I do. Do you not miss it? Or like everyone claps anytime. Yeah, every time you hear a glass smash, everyone goes way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I fucking love it though. What? So if a glass smashes in LA, what happens? Nothing. What? Nothing. I, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm sorry to say. I'm sorry to report. Why the hell does that go without any recognition? I think, like, I'm not cool with I that. I think when you come here, we should try that out. We should test it. Purposely drop yeah. a drink. <laughs> and then. Of water, either, not wasting alcohol. No. Either one of us will drop it and the other one will go, yay, and then see if anyone else does anything. There'll be expats that join in. <laughs> they'll be from they'll be from Britain as well. I'll t- yeah. No, I'll take you to a place that doesn't have that. That's specifically like old time like Americans. The Ace Hotel or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I was thinking old time Americans. You're thinking hipsters. We'll try either. Yeah, I think hipsters. Yeah. All right, we'll do an experiment. Yeah. Yay. We'll try a few. <laughs> Way. <laughs> You've just smashed a glass and wasted a drink. Yeah. I don't know why everyone's cheering. <laughs> basically, you, you're cheering to say, dickhead. Yeah. That's basically what you're doing. <laughs> nice one. I love it. You idiot. Yeah, you fucking tosser. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, how's your week, how's your week oh, been? Oh, man. Every second of my week this week, Talissa, has been busy. I've been working oh, super dear. late. Uh, Friday I worked till like 10 p.m. I'm so busy. I'm like speed texting when I reply to people, and it's not making sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think is though. I I naturally cram my week because I feel useless. Like if I'm not busy. Yeah, that's part but of our society part, patriarchal misogynist the, hus- the hustle. The hod- like, yeah, Carly's maybe better at just fucking doing nothing mm. but yeah like today i had to i had to walk the dog meet a friend for coffee write the rest of my story record the story then roast with the family then i'm going to a hot tub that is a cram sunday yeah. isn't it yes it is you need to chill out on sunday chill the fuck out woman i say I know, as I, I get up at 7 a.m to record and then i'm gonna uh, nap ugh. and then i'm gonna go edit the recording and then i'm gonna <laughs> clean and then i'm gonna do laundry and then i'm gonna prep for tomorrow and there's no end sundays are so sacred yeah i had a boy at my house um like last saturday and on sunday i was like i'm gonna have to ask you to leave now and he was like (laughs) he was like okay and i was like i'm really sorry like it's nothing personal it's just that my sundays are quite sacred yeah (laughs) i've got a schedule to keep yeah, I just like kicked him out. <laughs> as soon as he was gone, I was like, "Oh, I wish he was back." But then I just I felt like, and I was like, "No," because you have to do stuff yeah, like yeah. Sunday stuff, right? Like I've bought like some polyfiller, and I'm gonna like I'm because like we live in a rented house, so I'm just gonna like fill in all the holes that I've made, hanging up shit pictures yeah. like badly and stuff. Like I've got I've got errands. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You gotta like my thing is like you gotta do laundry. You gotta like vacuum. Yeah, all the boring stuff. That's all. Like, for what are you Sunday. gonna do? What are you gonna do? S- s- sit there and watch me vacuum? Like, <laughs> go home. Yeah, you're better off going home. You're gonna help. Seriously, you don't want to see any of this. 
I was walking around in just pants and bra doing it as well because I was just like, it's really hot. I want to put these clothes in the wash that I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. A lot going on. Busy, busy woman. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you wanted to get into the story this week uh, because mine's quite long. Mine is a little bit but... too. I think I think we should get into it. Oh, wait, we have one more thing to say that we should have said oh, right on. at the top, which is yeah. we had something very ha- exciting happen this week. <gasps> a very yes, special listener. She shared us on Instagram, Rose McGowan. Yeah. Amazing. Rose McGowan. Yeah. Yep. She shared us on her Instagram and our listenership went up as a result. Thank you. Thank you. Directly. Thank you. If she's listening. Thank you. I don't you. know if she listens. I fucking hope she is listening. I think she does listen because the Instagram post was, I like to listen to true crime before bed and then our podcast. Yeah. So thank you so, for listening. You thank li- you for sharing. And we love you. You're amazing. You are amazing. Yeah. And fuck Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. <laughs> fuck everyone really in Hollywood. All all men in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Although I still want a yeah, job, cool. so uh not fuck not fuck not you all just extreme. the ones who won't sexually assault me and yes. give me a job. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Please? Okay, cool. So okay. I am really, really excited about the theme this week. I just find it so fucking interesting. I know, it's amazing. I agree. So the theme this week, what did we even name it? Prison honeys. That's what you named it. <laughs> Otherwise known as what is the word? Hybristophilia. 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 Yes. Yeah, we briefly discussed it last week and then yeah. decided we should do a full episode on it because it's just so interesting. It is. Uh, which is the yeah. romantic attraction to someone who has committed violent crimes. Hybristophilia. Yeah. Or aka. Yeah. Prison honeys. Prison honeys with a Z, please. <laughs> <laughs> also, I th- I was thinking of calling it like love. There's isn't there a show in America that's called Love After Lockdown? I don't know because they mention it a lot on um, Small Town Murder. Oh really? Um, oh yeah, they've done like episodes. They've done like bonus episodes on it because they say it's so good. Oh nice. So like I might try and find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's about people who, yeah, who are married to somebody in prison and then, like, they get out of prison. Oh, man, I should they follow them. that. That sounds hilarious yeah. for small town murder to Sounds do. good, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, love after lockdown, prison honeys, hybristophilia, here we go. Here is my story. Okay. I don't really have a title, so okay. I'll just get into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on the night of December 4th, 1986... 26-year-old Terry Lynn Matthews finished her shift at the bank in Tampa, Florida at 11 p.m. and met up with her boyfriend, Gary McLelland. The two had dinner together, and then she went back to Gary's home, where he lived with his parents. She stayed there until 2 a.m. when she left to return to her own home, which she shared with her parents, in Pasco County, which is about half an hour's journey away. On her way, she stopped off at Lando Lakes Post Office, where she and her parents had a post office box, and she would often stop there to pick up her family's mail. I don't know. I kind of mentioned this, too, because I don't... Why she got one? Uh, lots of people have them for different reasons. Like, sometimes... Have they got a stalker? <laughs> Are they no, a judge just, or, like, someone important or... Sometimes people have post office boxes if they live in apartments or... Like if they 
don't think their mail is going to be safe in the apartment that they live in or like it's always going to be signed for like you could it could be dropped okay. off any time and it'll be safe in that yeah box. there's always be someone there not always someone there but like it'll be locked up so you can go by yeah. and and access your mail anytime so this mm. morning terry lynn matthews she went at like two o'clock in the morning okay um so Security footage that night timestamped her at the post office at 2.48 a.m. That was the last time she was seen alive. Cool. Yeah. It was normal for her to call Gary when she returned home. That night, when no call came, Gary called her mother, who reported that she had not returned home yet. Gary immediately got into his car to drive the same journey that Terry would take to see if he could see any signs of her. He didn't find any sign of her until he came upon the post office where he spotted what looked like her Honda parked in the parking lot, the engine still running, and the parking lights on the car were still on. Mail, with Terry Lynn and her family's name on it, was strewn all around the parking lot. Oh, shit. I mean, that would be terrifying. Immediately, you knew something would be wrong. So that morning of December 5th, Terry Lynn Matthews' body was found near railroad tracks in a rural part of Pasco County. She had been stabbed in the neck and chest several times <gasps> and beaten. Her body was wrapped oh. in a sheet and her body and clothes were wet, despite it not raining in the area for several days. An autopsy. Yeah, it's super weird, and we'll talk about it later. So an mm-hmm. autopsy later revealed that there was semen present in her vaginal area. Of course there was. Yeah. <laughs> Are we surprised? No. That same day, this is also really weird. It's a really weird coincidence. So that same day, December 5th, 1986, the remains of another young woman, 17-year-old Stephanie Collins, were also found in Pasco, pa- Pasco County on the side of a rural road. Stephanie was last seen in a drugstore parking lot in Carrollwood, about 30 minutes away from where her remains were found in Pasco County. Mm -hmm. Stephanie had also been stabbed and beaten. Her parents had been searching for her since she disappeared on November 5th, a month before her body was found. So she was missing for a month, and on the same day that they found Terry Lynn Matthews, they find the body of stephanie collins were they really close together or i mean they were all in the same county and it was it seems like it was a rural area so they must have been pretty close in the same area yeah sorry i can't stop burping i'm drinking lemonade (laughs) (laughs) try not to burp but directly into the microphone it's funny because in the uk lemonade is like seven up or sprite yeah that's what you call it lemonade here is just lemon juice flat (laughs) <laughs> in water like squeezed lemon with sugar and water it's not fizzy. what do you call so you just call it you have to call it sprite yeah sprite or seven up or if you're in <laughs> minnesota you call it pop <laughs> we call it pop here as well yeah here it is refreshing freeway diet lemonade <laughs> which is freeway <laughs> it's um it's like, like a, a knockoff like a really... sprite yeah, it's an off-brand <laughs> thing, yeah. You get, like, six cans for, like, a pound. Yeah, here it's, like, Shasta. That's the knockoff. Is it? I'm really addicted to diet lemonade. Oh, really? So I've got to find a more economical way of yeah. buying it. 
Just so well, fucking make sure refreshing. that uh, we have some when you get here. Yeah. In the fridge. So you consider it. Uh, okay. So pause for burping. And mm. okay. So they found two bodies, both beaten and stabbed. In both cases, Jeez. authorities had barely any leads or suspects for the murdered young women. Tests on the semen on Terry confirmed that they were not from Terry's boyfriend, Gary. And after questioning him, they eliminated, they eliminated him as a suspect. 17-year-old Stephanie was last seen in the passenger side of a white van on the night she disappeared. Don't get in a white van. Just don't do it. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I don't care if someone you know is driving it. I love how you like pulled the mic like close to your mouth. You're like, absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> so that was the last time she dis- uh, anyone saw her, but investigators could not find the driver of that said van. Both the parents of Terry <sighs> and Stephanie fought to find out who killed their daughters, but their fights were in vain. The cases went cold until four years later, the summer of 1990. So nothing happened. Nobody was questioned, or minimum people, minimal people were Fuck. questioned. Can you imagine, like, how angry you would be at the police? So frustrated. You'd be like, try harder. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, rich people get a PI, don't they? Like, private investigators just yeah. do it. Yeah. Because they're like, obviously, the police can't be trusted. Uh, well, a private investigator does show up later on in a way you won't oh. expect. Okay, cool. Mm. <laughs> what a cliffhanger. Yeah. Watch this space. Uh, mm. Okay. So summer of 1990, four years later, a man named Danny Kobe contacts Crime Stoppers in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Indiana's several states north of Florida. It's pretty far away. It's like 15-hour drive. Mm -hmm. Kobe stated that his wife Cheryl confided in him that her now ex-husband, a man by the name of Oscar Ray Bolin, had confessed to her that he kidnapped and killed Terry Lynn Matthews. As soon as Florida investigators got word of this, they immediately went to Cheryl and Danny's home and questioned her. I do not understand people fucking confessing to their wives. What? Uh, and they just go, oh, did you? Fair enough. The, well, like, you're going to be angry about this because there's a lot that he confessed. <laughs> and she was what even... What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> she was even a part of some things too, but... Oh, that's why, okay. Having said that, he sounds like a pretty scary guy because he also roped in someone else who was terrified. Okay. So Cheryl talks to investigators Investigators also learned from Cheryl that both she and Oscar were involved in another cold case. So they go and talk to her. She immediately tells them about another cold case from Florida in January of 1986. So the same year that the, they found the two other bodies. Shit. So in January of 1986, on the morning of January 25th, a jogger found the body of Natalie Holly or Natalie Blanche Holly. Her mom's name was Natalie. She was also named Natalie, but everyone called her Blanche. That's so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> so What are you doing? <laughs> I know. She was a manager of Church's Fried Chicken. So the jogger found her body in the woods near his home. Holly's abandoned oh. car was discovered approximately five miles away at her job. And her body was 
five miles away from where I don't sorry that was just weird wording the way that I wrote it um, <laughs> and it's also 7 a.m um there's this there's this uh, radio personality in England called Terry Wogan he's dying oh, yeah. now but he used to be like he had like a really weird way of like speaking like he used to just <laughs> pronounce he used to be like and hello to Cheryl and Dave who are going on a caravan holiday <laughs> like what <laughs> What did you say? His um, sentences were really hard to follow. Oh, <laughs> I get it. I get it, Terry Wogan. I can relate. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read that again. Holly's abandoned car was discovered approximately five miles away from where her body was found. The case went cold with no leads at the time, but Cheryl confessed to investigators that she was with Oscar Ray Bolin that night when he was casing the restaurant, but they returned home where she fell asleep. Bolin then woke her at 2 a.m. to tell her that he had killed Holly. She then accompanied the him fuck? to clean Holly's car and to dispose of other bloody evidence. So that's Jesus. One fucking Christ. Cold case that nobody knew was going on, which was probably news to her husband as well, because he was like, You just told me about the one. You just told me about Terry Lynn Matthews. And now you're telling investigators that also this. So in relation to Terry Lynn Matthews, Cheryl told investigators that she and Bolin at the time held a post office box as well at the Land O'Lakes post office. And she had sent uh, him... the connection, right? Yeah. She had sent him that morning on December 4th to get a paycheck that was supposed to be delivered. After he had returned that day, he confessed that he had kidnapped and killed a young woman. He confessed to her immediately. Like, nope, did it again. Whoops. I'm saying, like, I raped her as well, I'm assuming. I don't think he told her that part. He might have. Right. But it's also like, if you were his wife, you'd be like, how did that happen? You just slipped. I, I can't even... I can't even like fathom how that conversation would go. Yeah. Oh, I just, I just rape. Well, let's leave out the rape part. Well, I just, I just kidnapped and killed a girl. Okay, then what do you want for dinner? <laughs> like wh what? What? Oh, do you want me to iron this shirt for you tomorrow or not? Right. Like oh, okay. Well, uh, um, did you pick up that check? I really need that money oh, for well, groceries this week. Do you know what? You've really cheesed me off. <laughs> I'm going to my mother's for a few days. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? Well, that's what I... Th I really think that he was probably a scary guy. And he was like, I did it again and you have to help me. Or like, I'll do it to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Bolin also confessed to Cheryl that he had gotten help that night from his then 13-year-old half-brother, Philip, who assisted Bolin in disposing of the body. So Cheryl is telling investigators that Bolin that night had the help of his 13-year-old half-brother. So investigators then go to Philip Bolin, who is now 17 years old, to confirm the story. Philip told them that he was awoken on the night of December 5th by Oscar, who told him he needed help. When he came outside, he saw something wrapped in a sheet, making gurgling and moaning noises. So she was still alive. <gasps> no! Fast forward if you don't want to listen to this, but... He then saw Oscar go over to it, and he hit it repeatedly with a tire buddy, 
which is a wooden no. tool with a metal end that helps to check the pressure of a tire. So he hit off the body with that until the gurgling noises stopped. Uh, she was still alive, though. And I was going to say, she might even not be dead. Like, she's just not making any noise. Yeah, she just stopped making noise. Philip realized then, he didn't know, he was 13 years old, he didn't know what was going on. He then realized that it was a body of a young woman. And by the description, he described what the body looked like. They matched it to Terry Lynn Matthews. Uh, Oscar then forced him to grab a hose and turn it on. And in an attempt to drown uh, the young woman, Philip, (gasps) Philip refused to, so Oscar tried to... drown her himself which explains why she was all wet and there hadn't been any rain in a couple of days well she's basically being waterboarded Mm -hmm. yeah not even like drowned in in water like waterboarded right right it's fucking horrible yeah so this 13 year old is seeing all this happen by his half brother an adult who was i believe 22 at the time terrified He's a 13-year-old is just terrified. Oscar then tries to force Philip to help him dispose of the body, which, again, uh, 13-year-old Philip refused. However, he did help Oscar load the body into his car. With accurate descriptions of the body and details that only investigators knew, Philip provided the authorities with enough eyewitness account to charge Oscar with the kidnapping and murder of Terry Lynn Matthews and Natalie Hawley. They also connected him to the murder of Stephanie Collins when Cheryl stated that on the night of November 5th, 1986, Oscar confessed that he had killed another woman and Cheryl accompanied him to dump the body. She was able to take Fuck authorities... Fuck me, Cheryl. What are you, you are doing? not coming off well here. I mean, <laughs> explains why he is an ex-husband and why she's feels safe enough to confess this to her current husband. Who then told I was going to say, as soon as, as soon as you're divorced or as soon as you're broken up, that's when you tell the police. Yeah. Or maybe she was scared that she'd be in trouble as well. Yeah, we don't know. Because she was involved. The, yeah, she was probably terrified in so many different ways. So we don't know yeah. why it took her Maybe I'm being years. a bit harsh. We all think that we would tell immediately, but we don't know her situation. No. Rachel, the voice of reason. (laughs) (laughs) Compassion. Empathy. uh... I'm like that, you fucking silly (laughs) tart. Someone's gotta say it. (laughs) (laughs) It's always me. (laughs) She helped him dump the body and she took authorities to that spot, the same spot where Stephanie Collins' body was found. Obviously, she didn't know who it was. So that kind of proved that it was Stephanie Collins because it was the exact same spot where they found her body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, I wanted to include all of this because it's very relevant for later on. All yeah. of this eyewitness account, evidence, everything. Yeah. You go as fuck. Yeah. But somebody doesn't. Somebody doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've included I've included a lot of the crimes in mine as well. Yeah. Unless you know what they did, the fact that somebody wants to marry them or right. be with them right. isn't that shocking. Right. Yeah, you have to include it just so people get it. Yeah. 
So Oscar Ray Bolin at this point in 1990 was already in an Ohio prison serving 15 to 75 years for the kidnap and rape of another 20-year-old woman. What? He was already in prison. <laughs> this guy is relentless. Yeah. He attempted to kill her as well, but his gun jammed and so he just <gasps> let her go. Wow. Yeah. Lucky her. I know. And then there was another woman who was 30 who was also raped by him. So it was just like, mm. there's just a line of women. It's like, how can you yeah. deny it? <laughs> I'm, I'm already yeah. ahead of myself, but. Yeah. Yeah. So Bolin was, All of them are lying, are they? Right. All and, of them. Or these dead bodies. All five of them. Right. Just, I mean, that's a lot of pinning on you. One. If you didn't do it. One, maybe I would understand if you were the wife and you had to make some kind of decision, but five, come on. Also, imagine being cheated on by your husband raping someone else. Right? I know. Weird, isn't it? It's like, not only have they cheated on you, they've also raped someone. Yeah. The fact is they have cheated. So weird. I would consider murder cheating as well. (laughs) Would you? I consider it murder. I mean, yeah. I mean, is it is it's like I consider it lying. Like, uh, I think I'm done here. Like yeah. it's on par with cheating. Yeah. Um, yeah. so he was already in prison. Bolin was charged in 1990 with all three murders and underwent three trials, one for each victim. In each case, he was found guilty of first degree murder and sentenced to death for each of the three convictions. You sir, I mean, good. Fuck off. Yes. I mean, what good is he doing? You can't. You can't rehabilitate that man. I agree. He is. You can't let him out. He is mad for rape and murder. Yeah, that's all he's about. And he's just gonna sit in prison forever. I think in this case, what is he? Even if he was sitting in prison, what is he giving to to society? Nothing. Yeah, it's not much, is it? No. So, obviously, he has three death sentences against him, which that sounds very complicated, and it does get very complicated, so... It's a lot to appeal, isn't it? Like, yes. even if you beat one. Right. You usually never get off, you just get life in prison without parole. Right. That's that's the... That's your, like, consolation prize. Yeah. If you get away with the death penalty... They're like, fine, you can live forever in prison then. Yeah, until you die of natural causes instead of us killing you. Right. In some cases, there there was I can't remember his name. I'm sad that I can't remember his name, but there was a man who was he was African American and he was put on death row for a supposed crime that he committed. Just one crime. They tried to prove his his innocence for a long time, and he ended up going through with the death penalty, and they executed him uh, this year. Um, No. Yeah, even though a lot of people said that he was innocent. So, I mean, that's uh, rare, but it happens where it's like, even if you get the death penalty, they're still going to try and prove that you're innocent so that you can get out of jail forever, not just sit in jail forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back to Oscar Ray Bolin. So 
1995, however, the Florida Supreme Court reversed all three convictions and ordered new trials. So this is five years after he was convicted. Why? (laughs) I'll tell you why. According to the high court, the prosecution and trial judge erred in allowing jurors to hear Cheryl Coby's testimony, which was protected by Florida's spousal privilege rules, which means even though the Bolins She was married to him at the time. Yeah, even though they're now divorced in 1990 or 1995, the justice found that the privilege still held meaning conversations between a husband and wife are confidential. But there's conversations and then there's helping you move a body. Yes. That is such a shit technicality. It's ridiculous. Are actions I would protected? want... Uh, I, don't th- I don't think so, but even so, like, him confessing to her several times that he killed several people is pretty important to contain into a murder trial you know whether she was part of the uh cleaning up the bodies or not it's just insane that every single conversation that you have with your husband can't be used in a court of law in florida also why is that rule relevant like is is marriage so fucking sank it seems very patriarchal it's like Oh, a bloke can do whatever he wants and say whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. I own her words. She needs to shut (laughs) up. I own her memories. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I don't know. It's like the weirdest. It's so weird. I don't know if it exists anymore. It seems so old fashioned. Like, when would that ever be relevant? When would that ever be helpful in a case? Never. You should be well, able it's just to unfair, talk. isn't it? Right. <laughs> yeah, I never really thought of it, like the husband-wife privilege thing. Right. Me neither. It's, it is fucking ridiculous, though. It's ridiculous. Okay. It's an ancient law, yeah. Yeah. So it was around this time in 1995 when he starts to appeal that Oscar Ray Bolin met Rosalie Martinez. Martinez was working... Oh, here she is. Yeah, here she is. <laughs> Martinez was working in the public defender's office in Hillsborough County at the time, and she was assigned to his case. She was married to a prominent Tampa attorney, and they had four daughters. She seemed to have it all. She was on an episode of 2020, Mm -hmm. and she was like, I had diamond rings, and my husband and I went to events all the time, and she just, she had money, she had four daughters, she had a beautiful family. She had oh my God. a nice job, a husband who supported her, everything. Wow. But according to her, she was unhappy. She stated at the time, she said in quotes, I wanted to break out. I wanted to be loved like I've never been loved before. Passion. Someone to put me on an emotional pedestal. Not with material things. Then get a dog. Leave your husband. <laughs> get a dog. <laughs> Oh my god, get a dog. <laughs> they love you more than anything. If you want in someone this world. to be happy every time you get home, get a dog. Yeah. If you want passion, yeah. get you a dog. If you want someone to follow you around the house, yes. desperate for your attention, <laughs> get a dog. That's all you needed, Rosalie. Cuddle Martinez. up to you while you sleep. While yeah. you sleep, while you're sad. 
throw a ball and my dog and, licks my tears feel the away. glee that the dog feels. <laughs> Headline: Cat dog. <laughs> <laughs> so she did not get a dog. Instead, she and Boland fell in love. Martinez even went as far as saying that she did not believe Boland ever committed the crimes that he was convicted for. None of them. She began. Well, to that's f- convenient for you to say. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, why don't you just compartmentalize that? makes you that? look better. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just going to fold this away and tuck it in where I'll never see it again. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Your husband's a murderer. No, he isn't. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? I know he's not. Come so on. she began to fight for him and proclaim his innocence, saying that there was a mismatch in evidence from shoe prints to fingerprints. She said that there were shoe prints at this scene of some of the crimes that didn't match his, which is very likely. And she also said there were fingerprints that didn't match his. What about yeah. a fucking How two separate people saying I, I helped him hide bodies? Eyewitness yes. <laughs> accounts. That's How rare is that in murder cases? You have two really people, a wife and a half-brother, like, close yeah. people who would otherwise lie for you, telling yeah. authorities that he did this. Not to mention the dates line up as well. Perfectly. He went to the post office. He was driving around the same restaurant. He was at the drugstore that, uh, well, I don't know about that one, but, yeah. Or well, the chicken place that yeah, the, the restaurant girl worked at. Yeah. Yeah. So the dates line up as well. Big but, old dink, is it? Right. What are you thinking, <laughs> Rosalie? So Martinez said at the time, in quotes, I never, never, ever thought for a second he was guilty of those three murders. Yeah. What about the rape? <laughs> yeah. You had so much, the, so much other stuff. <laughs> the rape that he was in prison for. How do you explain that? Yeah, already. You, Didn't do that either. You Didn't still, do that. Even if he did do it and you believe that, you still want to fall in love with a guy that's in prison for For raping a 20-year-old? Or however, it doesn't matter how old anyone is, you still want to be with him? (laughs) Nope. Nope. I mean, I've scraped the barrel, mate, but I'm not going that low. No. (laughs) No. So Martinez's family and friends obviously distanced themselves. Rosalie's husband filed for divorce and he took their four daughters from her. They were, the four daughters were aged six to 14. Man, does that suck. That your mom leaving you at that age is going to fuck you up. Not only is she leaving the family, but for this. Six-year-old little girl. Right. Mum, gone. Why? She wants to fuck a rapist murderer. Yeah. She wants a rapist murderer in her life more than she loves you. Right. That's a six-year-old's, like, view of that. And it's the truth. Right. I hate this woman. Everyone. Everyone does. Yeah. Martinez, however, became so convinced that Bolin was innocent, she became a private investigator to better help his case. So she was working. You're already a lawyer. Yeah. She's already working (laughs) in an attorney's office and she became a private investigator to like, I was reading one article and it said to follow the hunches that she had in the case. 
Fuck it out. What a doofus. Doofus. <laughs> I've been using that word a lot lately. Um, I really like it. Yeah. In an effort to bring attention to the case, Rosalie Martinez decided to marry Bolin while he was awaiting trial. So this is the story that you briefly mentioned last week. Um, mm-hmm. So oh, what, with the photo? Yeah. So oh god, <laughs> oh shit! I need to put it up. Yeah, you do. <laughs> That's so going up this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the two were married over the phone on October fifth, nineteen ninety six, and also it was it was televised. It was on live TV. So twenty million people wow. saw this happen, and she's just so proud. I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I would like call in sick to work to watch that. <laughs> it's so dark though. It's Yeah. And she's in this white dress and she's so happy. Mhm. So while he was in prison, she performed her role in the ceremony in her apartment with a minister present, which you mentioned last week, and with yeah. a photo of Bolin to stand in his place. <laughs> I take the six by four yeah. map print photo. <laughs> do you I say promise I do? to cherish thee, polish thee, <laughs> use vinegar on the glass to make it all shiny. Look at you every day. <laughs> Sleep with you next to me on yeah. my bed. <laughs> Instead of a dog, which would have been much better. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. I know. She wore a white dress and she teared up as she said, I do, over the phone. Fucking hell. I think she might have lost her mind. I think she might have had a breakdown. Hydro. Hi, hybro. Hybristophilia. That's what she caught. It's one of the only. Yeah, it's like one of the only explanations I can think of. Right. Did she hit her head at some point? I wonder. You might not like your husband, but you hate all four of your kids as well. Right. So. Despite her best efforts to bring positive attention to Bolin's case with the wedding, she also, because of her like prominence in in um, like society in Tampa Bay or Florida society, she claimed that mm-hmm. she knew three presidents and several senators. So she thought that by like bringing attention to this case, that she would bring them to her side and help with the appeal. Dude, but- Arnold Schwarzenegger still executed the head of the crips right <laughs> and obama was like no i'm not letting stephen avery go so and also i mean trump let a few people go on old weed charges because kim kardashian went to his office but apart yeah, from that right like, doesn't like, usually work that way but also any of the three presidents or several senators are gonna look at this case and be like nope i'm not gonna be connected to that no, thank you. No. I'm not no. tarnishing my name for this, for this woman. No, no. Despite her best efforts, Bolin was sentenced to death three days after the wedding. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Martinez continued to fight for her now husband's innocence. Bolin appealed several more times over the course of 18 years, and Martinez stuck by his side. So while he's in prison, they keep in touch, obviously. Bolin sent her handmade cards with love notes almost every day, and the couple would see each other twice a week. Due to the nature of Bolin's confinement, this is the extent of their relationship, but Martinez insisted that the marriage remained strong. So I feel like that is kind of hinting that they 
never consummated the marriage. They didn't consummate. They didn't get a. They never got a chance to really be physical with each other. They must have never even kissed. I think there's a picture of them kissing at one point. Okay. But what are you doing? Like, she's saying that she wanted passion and unrequited love. Like, she wants someone that ain't going anywhere. (laughs) That's only going to be focused on her. Quite literally. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. I mean, I'd like a love letter every day, but people are busy. So Uh, I feel like that guy is not busy. For his only priority is his wife. <laughs> and yeah, probably but... not getting shanked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, for her sake, don't you want a little bit more physical contact than holding hands twice a week? A little smooch? To be perfectly honest. A little smooch? Um, to be perfectly honest, like, I think with the right marital aids, you, I could probably get by without ever being with a man again <laughs> okay i guess your I face you. <laughs> i honestly could like i think i'd be fine but i feel like even like a hug is nice sometimes like you need that yeah, physical you contact that some... you could just get that I off anyway <laughs> yeah hug carly hold carly's hand or like hug my mom or like, <sighs> i don't need no mans to do that i just also, You've been married too long, mate. That's your problem. <laughs> possibly. You're just you, you've just you've just got it on tap. Like you so you're just used to it. Whereas like <laughs> I live like a sparse, uh, sporadic love life <laughs> where I'm like can go I can go months without kissing someone. So I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, I guess so. <sighs> easy come, easy go. But <laughs> I mean, from her that's why I'm talking from her take on things she's been married once well, yes because she, she was daughters. married yeah you go from that to this i mean i'm sure there were it was tough for her she didn't sound happy but going from one marriage to now this where it's like minimal i don't know i just can't get yeah i mean it. uh i guess it's like having it's like having a pen pal right in it's love just like with your pen, pen pal. pal that's it yeah do you ever see him? Nah. Like, <laughs> Twice a week. Fucked? Nope. For an hour. It's fine. <laughs> Not even finger you. <laughs> nope. Have you gotten a third base yet? No. Touch We've been the married 18 nope. years. <laughs> Has he smooched you anywhere other than on your face? Oh, man. <laughs> Has he kissed you anywhere other than on your face? <laughs> you sound like a police investigator. <laughs> Uh, okay. Show me on the doll. Yeah. <laughs> where your husband has ever touched you. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was the extent of their relationship. Despite attempts Sounds to crap. appeal over those 18 years, Bolin was executed by lethal injection at 10.16 p.m. on January 7th, 2016. Oh, all day to think about it. Yes. <laughs> 10 p.m. at night. I wouldn't like that. I want to be over in the morning. Well, maybe it was due to his last meal. It seems like he probably took some time with that because his last meal was a ribeye steak, a baked potato, salad, garlic bread, lemon meringue pie, and Coca-Cola. 
So that sounds like it'd Honestly, take you a good chunk of time to eat. That is a fucking good last meal. Yeah. Some some people are like, I want a single anchovy, yeah. a glass of milk, <laughs> and like a peach. And One you're like, what the fuck are you on? Single pea. <laughs> and then they some go, I'm not the eating this. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that sounds like a hearty meal and a good dessert. So yeah. He declined to make a final statement. However, Rosalie was one of the last people he saw before his execution. So that was the cool. end of him. And Rosalie Bolin continues to work as a private investigator to this day. And I found her on LinkedIn as a private investigator. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Look oh my up. God. Just, just Google Rosalie Bolin 2021 or Rosalie Bolin now. And her LinkedIn comes up almost straight away. Oh my god! Will you send me the link? Yeah. Um, so I that can't be bothered to do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm telling our listeners, like, if you want to look, yeah, you can, and you can also see pictures. I fucking want to look. Of course, I want to look. I want to know if she's got like kids. Like, does she see her kids? Like, I don't think that uh, she does. And well, I didn't really want to look it up either because they probably want to be distanced from it. They're full blown adults now, yeah. so. I didn't really they find much about They can make some money, that. though, like selling a fucking book or whatever. Oh, Pretty sure oh, they yeah. can make some money. Option a movie? Oh, yeah. If you want By the way, option that movie I read... to me, I'll make it. Yeah. By the way, I read um, that book that BTK's daughter wrote. Oh, yeah. It's fucking shit. Is it? It is so boring. Aw. She goes on about God right. so much. She's super religious. It's insane. She? Yeah. she. Every other word is like, God this, God that. Like, God did this for a reason. Like, I'll tell you that God doesn't exist because your dad exists, mate. Is it it supposed to be inspirational? Or, like, what is the. I guess it's really weird. Like, she goes, I had to skip like three chapters of it because I was like, right, let's let's try and get to a good bit where she gives us a bit of insight. But she just goes on for about three chapters about when they were on a fucking camping trip and it was really difficult and hot. And her dad was like really nice to her. Mm. And. They lost her brother for a bit on the camping trip and then they found him again and she was like, Oh God, thank you. And like she's like, my, it sounds my back so was bitter my about this. I just wanted it to be good and it wasn't. Yeah. Like I wanted it to be amazing. And it's just literally her whinging about a camping trip for oh. like four chapters. <laughs> and then <laughs> someone else went, Okay, like the book was shit, but she's been through it. And I was like, No, it's no excuse. Like, it was a crap book. Right. Isn't the the uh, front of the book, like, a picture of the BTK killer? And it looks like it, you're, it looks like you're about to enter into a really good true crime book. And it sounds like it's not that yeah. at all. I wouldn't recommend it. But then I looked on Google and I think it had, like, three out of five stars or something. So other people also think it's shit. And I okay. should have listened to them. But I wanted to know for myself. Um, but, yeah, don't read it. Fucking waste of time. I thought. Yeah. And like, yeah. But, like, genuinely, she had zero idea of what he was doing. I mean, it sounds like it. It sounds like she's used God to find some meaning to what she's been through. So yeah. I, if it helps you, then fine. But we don't fine, but know. Don't write a book about it and bore me shitless. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, we don't know if any of the four daughters um, are in that state to do that of Rosalie Martinez. So that's the story of yeah. Oscar Ray Bolin Fantastic and story. Rosalie Martinez. It's, I really, cause obviously I kind of knew the whole like 
getting married next to his photo like yeah fucking fiasco right i just wanted but knowing what he actually did is savage evidence against him to know all of that is just insane to think that a woman a smart woman who had it all smart woman gave it all up to help Unless him. they're hiring like fucking idiots at the <laughs> like public defender's office. That's all, that could also be the case. That could be easily, yeah, I suppose. But yeah, great story. Well done. Thanks. Um, okay, so I'm going to crack on with my story because basically all my family are here for a roast dinner. Okay. And, um, yes. My mum was like, I hope it's not too noisy. And I was like, well, there's zero, fu- there's zero fucking things I can do about it. So <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> right, let's find my story. Okay, so my story... It's quite exciting because she's huge, huge name in Britain. Oh, okay. Rose West. Oh. As okay. in of Fred and Rose West. Yeah. Have you done Fred and Rose, Rose West? Nope. Yeah. Pretty sure I haven't. You're right. Uh, I try and do stuff that no one knows anything about. Right. And honestly, their story is so long. He has been killing people almost his entire life. Like, Honestly, I would probably I would believe that about Oscar Ray Bolin. I wonder if he had because he was a trucker as well. He traveled around. Oh, that is classic, isn't it? Yeah. So I wonder if he has other That's classic cold cases against him. I would probably. believe it. Yeah, definitely. Like those are the ones he was sloppy with and got caught for. Yeah. Yeah. That like there's also there's loads of people that um they think that Fred West killed. Mm. And they think that Fred and Rose West killed together, but they just can't prove it. But they found the bodies that they found in their house, which is in Gloucester, which is just above Bristol where I live, like really close to Bristol. Okay. And you can't you can't go and see the house anymore because it's been demolished. Oh. Um. Okay. I know. I would go and see. They, I think there's like a garden there now. I would. I would be interested to go and see. Yeah. But it's a bit fucking. It's a bit fucking morbid, even for me. And right. that's saying something. Right. So. <laughs> um, and we will find right, so, out why. Yes, you fucking will. <laughs> right. So Rosemary Pauline Letts was born on the 29th of November 1953 in Northam, Devon. Her parents, Bill Letts and Daisy Letts, had seven children together, and she was the fifth. Okay. They were very poor and had an unhappy marriage. Both Bill and Daisy had mental issues. Mm. So Daisy struggled with depression and had uh, manic episodes. So in 1953, she had a nervous breakdown and then she became pregnant with Rose. Mm. During this time, she was given electroconvulsive therapy while she was pregnant. Oh, no. So it's for sure it's ECT. Yeah. So that involves, um, if you don't know what it is, it involves the attachment of electrodes onto your skull and they and the application of severe electric shocks through your brain. Do you know that they still do that? Yeah, and I'll tell you, but they never they never used to put you out. They never used to do like a general anaesthetic. Mm. Whereas now they do, so oh. you're not conscious when yeah. it's happening. I mean, it sounds horrible. Um, but the weirdest thing about it is, it does work for some yeah. people. Right. Right. And that's why they still do it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, changed people's lives. How fucking weird is that? It's crazy. You just have, like, a zap through your brain, and it just, like, resets it or some shit. Well, it's like, I guess it's like, you know, people hit their heads, and it changes how they think and feel. So it would, whoever thought it up. Or being hit by lightning. Right. So whoever thought it up, how how crazy would that be to be the first person to be like, yep, I'll try this. 
Hear, hear me out. <laughs> Someone will go, are you mental? No, yeah. no, honestly, listen. Right. Right. I, I, I think it'll work. I really do. But also, like, it doesn't work every time. So it, it still is kind no, it of doesn't. a scary thing to... It's experimental. Right. It's an experiment every time. It is. Give it, give it a go. Like, if I don't know what happens if it doesn't work. I don't know if you're just the same or if you're worse. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't looked into it. To I be mean, honest, I'm sure I went down I'd... a lobotomy hole and I can feel an electric shock therapy hole coming on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I'm sure at the time in the 50s, it was like, if it didn't work, you also had to deal with the trauma of going through that whole process. And especially in this case, she was also pregnant. So it probably affects yes. the baby. Yeah, so her last sessions happened just days before Rose was born. Oh, gosh. That ain't good, is it? No. Uh, so when Rose was born, she displayed strange repetitive movements, mm. which some have linked to the treatment while she was in the womb. So she would, like, uh, rock a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, she would, like rock, like, rock in the corner and stuff. Right. Um, and, like, twist her head around, like, like, like shake her head a bit. Yeah, yeah. So Bill lets her father had OCD and would have frequent violent outbursts. Okay. He was abusive towards Daisy and the children during his psychotic episodes mm. and is reported to have sexually abused Rose. Mm. Rose was um, obsessed with her naked body when she hit puberty and would walk around the house with no clothes on. Okay. It's also reported that when she was 13, she'd creep into her nine-year-old um, brother Graham's bedroom at night mm. and molest him, as well oh. as her youngest brother Gordon. She's oh. just really over-sexualized, which is probably as a result of her dad sexually yeah. abusing her. Yeah. Um, Rose's parents separated when she was a teenager. When they broke up, she initially lived with her mother, but after six months, she moved in with her father at the age of 16 in Bishop's Cleave near Cheltenham, Gloucester. Um, again, it's just above Bristol. Okay. Bill still suffered with mental problems, including paranoid schizophrenia, extreme violence and he would repeatedly sexually abuse Ro rose and her older sister patricia Aww. so he's just a fucking piece of work yeah. um Ro rose first met fred west in early 1969 shortly after her 15th birthday at a bus stop he was 27 initially she wasn't keen on him and there's some uh sources that say she thought he was homeless oh <laughs> Like honestly, though, when you see him, you can see how like I all of his clothes it. have holes in. Yeah, like he's really dirty. He like he barely ever showered. Didn't, he didn't give a his shit about teeth, what he looked like. His teeth are like green. Like Ooh. he's just gross. He's just dirty and gross. Um, so she's fifteen, only just, mm. and he's twenty-seven. Mm -hmm. So gross. Nice twelve-year age gap there. Yeah. So he continually flattered her and wore her down. He like found out where she worked Just and hounded her, in, her. Like, presence. Yeah, basically, How a twenty-seven-year-old hounding a fifteen-year-old. I mean, that's grooming. Totally. So she, yeah. So she began a relationship with Fred, and she quit her job. She worked at a Baker's, I think, mm. a, or a bread, like a bread shop, and became a full-time babysitter for his two daughters from previous relationships at a caravan oh. park that he lived in. What she just so he she just didn't have a chance. No, this all this is all fucked. So basically, she I've read this book called um, Happy Like Murderers, which I would highly recommend. Oh, okay. Um, it's one of the it's one of the best books I've ever read on Fred and Rose West. Because I'll add it to our book. A lot list. of this, yes, a hundred percent. 
a lot of the stuff that like I've read on Fred and Rose West is like kind of skims over de- details and like this gives you really good insight into like their lives and the lives of the people that they killed and mm. how they killed people. People are like, oh, they killed 12 people. And this book is like, no, this is exactly what they did, mm. which I think is important to know. Right. Because they are fucking monsters. Yeah. It's so bad. Everything they do is fucked. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, basically he was living in a caravan with two of his daughters. Well, one of them was his daughter, Anne-Marie, Anna-Marie, with his previous wife called Rena. And another one of his daughters was Rena's daughter, but her dad was an Asian bus driver. Okay. So she looked like that little girl uh, was called Charmaine, mm-hmm. and she looked Indian to look at. Okay. Like she had an appearance. That was her appearance, basically. Mm-hmm. But basically, Rena had like fucked off somewhere, mm-hmm. and so Fred was looking after the two little girls, which I don't think is. I mean, knowing what he's like, you can imagine how that went. Was Um, he like, oh, I'll take them. Yeah, basically. So Rose moved into the caravan and just started basically being his live-in nanny. Mm. Rose's dad told Fred that if he continued to see her, he would report him to the social services, because obviously she's 15. Right. Rose ignored their warnings and would sneak about to see Fred anyway. They heard rumours that that Rose was doing sex work out of Fred's caravan. Hmm. Um, shortly after her 16th birthday, Rose moved in with Fred at, at a flat in Cheltenham and she became pregnant. Okay. Three months later, they moved to a ground floor flat of a two-story house at, at Midland Road in Gloucester. On the 17th of October 1970, Rose gave birth to their first child, a daughter called Heather. Though there were rumours that Heather was actually Bill Lett's incestuous daughter. Oh. So there's rumours that her dad had got her pregnant not fred and that's why her dad hated fred so much because he was like really possessive over her this is so messed up um it is fucked like it's no wonder that she turned out like she did but rose had just turned 17 and was looking after three girls fred's daughters charmaine and anna marie and their own child heather um according to neighbors she was strict cruel to them and extremely violent anna marie has actually written a uh a memoir that you can oh. read that's very good as well. Add that to the list. Tracy Giles is a lady that lived above Rose, and she said that she entered the flat unannounced, only to see Charmaine naked and standing upon a chair, gagged with her hands bound <gasps> behind her back with a oh belt, as Rose stood alongside the child with a large wooden spoon in her hand. Oh. So, like, that's kid. how she would punish them. Oh. Yeah, and, like, apparently Charmaine would, like, never cry. Mm. And it really pissed her off, like, it really pissed Rose off. She was like, I don't care how much you hit me, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to say that you've hurt me. So it's not, it. you never find out how this happened, mm. but Rose is, Rose is believed to have killed Charmaine on the 24th of June, 1971, oh. while Fred was in prison for theft which happened regularly, like Fred was often away in prison for theft because he used okay. to steal all the time. They're the neighbor Tracy there came with to... their mom, their stepmom. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Poor kids. 
the neighbour Tracy came to ask if Charmaine could come and play with her little girl, only to be told by Rose shortly before Fred's prison release on the 24th of June 1971, she's gone to live with her mother and bloody good riddance. Jeez. Rena. She's like said that Rena's come and uh, collected her. Yeah. Rose told Charmaine's primary school that her mother had taken her to London, but then she told other people that she had gone to Bristol. Okay. So when Fred was released from prison, he stayed loyal to Ro- to Rose and he told the same lies. Okay. Charmaine's body was initially buried in this coal cellar of Midland Road until Fred was released from prison. Then he moved her body to Cromwell Street, which is their the big house that they bought late, later. Yeah. They bought the house for seven grand. Oh. How mad is that? <laughs> um, which 70s. I'm sure was a lot of money at the time. but um, She was found... Her body was found in 1994, naked in the yard of Gloucester Road, and it was dismembered with parts of her body <gasps> missing, such as a finger, wrist, Aww. toe, and ankle bones, which was a common factor in all of the West's victims. Really? So they thought, yeah, they thought they kept them as trophies. Oh. Like, all, ne- nearly all the bodies had fingers missing, toes missing. I did not know kneecaps that. Kneecaps missing. Yeah, and um, they well, it's thought that that basically, like some of the bodies they found had black tape around their skulls, with like a straw up their nose so that they could breathe. <gasps> so it's thought that they did that when they were sexually torturing them. So they might have like cut their finger off while they were doing that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the wor- the worst thing is they never found any of that stuff. Really? So they don't know where Fred hid all his trophies. He's hidden them somewhere, and they don't know where. Wow. Gross, isn't it? Um, yeah. On the 29th of January, 1972, Fred and Rose got married. Shortly after giving birth to her second child, Rose began sex work, operating from an upstairs room at their residence and advertising her services in a local magazine. Fred encouraged Rose to only sleep with black men as he had an obsession with them. Okay. He had spy holes made in the walls so that he could watch. Ew. And he used a baby monitor to listen when she had customers. Ew. This it's all so horrible. <laughs> this is just gonna be my reaction the whole time. Ew. Yeah, just get yeah, just strap in. This is again horrible. Her father was also once again involved in the family and would visit the house to have sex with his daughter. Ah. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it now. Um by nineteen eighty three she had eight children, three of which were from her black clients. Fred willingly accepted these children as his own and explained away the colour of their skin by saying his great-grandmother was a black woman. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> if you see Fred West as well, he has got he has actually got quite like, really curly hair. Okay. So it's not like the most unbelievable story you've ever heard, but if you do see loads of black men going in and out of the house at irregular yeah. hours, you're kind of going to put two and two together, I think. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, so both Fred and Rose sexually abused their own children, and when Anna Marie was 13, she was also forced into sex work, telling oh. telling the clients that she was 16, and Rose would stand in the room to make sure that she never revealed her, her age. <gasps> After his arrest in February 1994, Fred confided to his appropriate adult, Janet Leach, because basically, right, he was, his IQ was so low... Uh-huh that he needed an, an appropriate adult to be oh. with him in police interviews. I was interviews, wondering as well why as he said that. Yeah. So um, there's a woman called Janet Leach, and there's actually um, a really good show on the BBC called, I think it's called Appropriate Adult, 
and it's about Fred West and Dominic West plays him and he I really fancy Dominic West and it's really sexually confusing for me oh no um, that program <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a fucking good program though I'll give it a watch yeah so he told Janet Leach that Rose murdered one of their victims Shirley Robinson because Fred had been having an affair with her and became pregnant and so Rose had trigger warning by the way if you don't want to hear something absolutely fucking horrible skip okay. ahead yeah so Rose helped murder Shirley Robinson and dismember her removing Robinson's fetus from the womb in the <gasps> process oh another murder that Rose was involved in was that of her own daughter Heather so that's her her oldest baby the first kid that she had oh no so when Heather was 16 she'd been abused all her life and she had started to tell her friends about the abuse. So Rose and Fred were like, fuck. So she was killed in June 1987. I mean... And her dismembered body... What? That won't be suspicious. First she starts well, talking about her ha- abuse and then she just disappears. Well, this is what they said happened, right? So her dismembered body was placed under the family's patio. Barry, her younger brother, would later describe watching as a seven-year-old his mother kick Heather repeatedly in the head until she was no longer moving. Mm. The Wests told people Heather had gotten a job at a holiday park and moved away. Okay. Which is kind of believable. Like, if she's saying to people, oh, at home I get abused, then if she got a job at a holiday park and moved, yeah, that would make sense. And um, she's 16, so it's not like she's too do young she to wants. go do that. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, Fred, in his interview, said that he had throttled Heather mm. in, an, in like, a fit of anger and killed her. Mm-hmm. So he took the blame for that as well, when just, it just probably wasn't him. Right. It was Rose. This um, is a hellhole. This is a hellhole yeah. of a home. They call it the House of Horrors in the papers, like, all the time. Oh. That's what they referred to it as. So on the 6th of August 1992, Fred was arrested after being accused of raping his 13-year-old daughter three times. They had a daughter called Louise mm-hmm. that he raped. Um, and Rose was arrested for child cruelty. This Good. case against them collapsed on the 7th of June 1993 when Louise refused to testify in court. She's probably terrified. Exactly. She's 13. Yeah. She just wants out of there. Right. Um all five of the West's younger children were then removed from their custody to foster homes. Good. Thank fuck. Man, um, this case imagine highlighted... getting those kids into your foster home. Like, how much oh my God. work would that They'd be? They'd be walking around naked and like, you'd just be like... Saying things that no child should say. Oh, man. They would be damaged. You'd have yeah. some work ahead of you if you were their foster parents. Yeah, absolutely. So all of this highlighted that Heather was missing. And so the police got a warrant to search the house and they found human remains and signs of torture. Wow. So the couple were arrested in February 1994. Um, Rose denied murdering any of the victims and Fred took all the blame. She even said that she tried to stop the attacks. Sure. However... Circumstantial evidence, such as the fact that Fred was incarcerated when Charmaine was killed, meant that she was found guilty of 10 murders, those of the young women whose bodies were found at Cromwell Street and of Charmaine West. Wow. So Fred was charged with two further murders committed uh, before his association with Rose. So he killed uh, Rena, 
Charmaine's mum. Oh. So there was yeah, so there was no way in hell that she came that she had come to collect Charmaine right. because she was dead. Right. He also killed um another woman, I think she was called Anna McFall, and that was uh like his nanny. Oh. His and Rena's like live in nanny. He got her pregnant and then killed her. How sorry? Did he not ever turn towards Rose? They were a team. Well, it's like Carla Hamolka and yeah, I guess everyone else wasn't down for whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, and she was. Oh, so okay. yeah. Also, like sometimes murderers like to have a, a veneer of normality, don't they? Right. And that he looked, he just looked like a family man because mm. he had a wife and kids and big house and a job. Okay, so on the 1st of January, 1995, Fred hung himself in his cell as he knew that on New Year's Day, the prison would be quiet and he wouldn't be found in time to save him. So he killed himself before he ever went to trial. What a um, douche. Fucking annoying, isn't it? Yeah. That's so annoying when that happens. Jeffrey Epstein, I know he didn't yeah. kill himself, but I'm just saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, um, don't want to rattle your cage. And um, uh, Harold Harold Shipman did the same as well. Right. Prolific murderer in England. Oh, it's just um, so, so lame. It's so lame. So on the 21st and 22nd of November, the jury found Rose unanimously guilty. The judge sentenced her to life in prison and stressed that she should never be paroled. Yes. Um. Uh, there are only two women in in England who hold the title of a whole life tariff. Rose West mm -hmm. and the serial killer Myra Hindley. Okay. So if you don't know who Myra Hindley is, um, she, her and Ian Brady killed like... Uh, so Moore's murderer, Myra Hindley, was convicted right. of killing five children right. and being involved in sexually assaulting four of her victims along with her boyfriend, Ian Brady. Mm -hmm. So they are a fucking hellscape. Yeah. Um, in the mid-1990s, Rose was moved to HMP Durham, which is Her Majesty's Prison, Durham. Okay. About three years after she was imprisoned, Rose West is said to have opted to cook her own food because she was frightened some inmates would try and po poison her. She also had her cells set on fire. And who was in that prison with her? Who? Myra Hindley. Oh, the best so the two of friends. Women yeah, the two women are said to quickly become close and oh. were more than just friends, with one prisoner describing them as thick as thieves. West's uh, solicitor, Leo Goatley, claims she told him she was involved with Hinley on one of his visits. He said Rose was impressed by Myra's thirst for knowledge as she was doing a course with the Open University. Well done. Oh, great. Only because your husband so... was literally mentally subnormal. <laughs> so... Finally, um, some conversation. Yeah. Rose told him their relationship didn't last long, with Rose saying Hindley could be very manipulative. Okay. He told the Daily Mail, and I know the Daily Mail is a piece of <laughs> shit, but it, they have a fucking good crime reporter. Yeah. Um, when, I visited a, when I visited a few months later, Rose's opinion of Hindley had changed dramatically. She was saying, you have to watch Hindley. She's very manipulative. You don't realise it, but she gets you doing stuff for her. Oh, she's clever, all right. She's flipping dangerous, that one. She ain't going to take me for a cunt again. <laughs> And so ended the romance. And Rose West has the most Bristol accent you have ever heard. So Can like, you do it? Oh, I'll try. I'll try. You don't realise it, but she gets you doing stuff for her. <laughs> oh, she's clever, all right. She's flipping dangerous, that one. She ain't going to take me for a cunt again. That's a Bristol accent. 
<laughs> that was pretty good. Um, yeah, 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 I'm all right at it. Apparently the pair just stopped talking and behaved as if they didn't know each other. Uh, <laughs> That's the way I break up with people. <laughs> also, um, it's like, f- oh, poor you. Oh, you got yeah. into a relationship with another murderer and it didn't work you've out. Got the, wah, wah. You've got the balls to call someone else a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. A fellow prisoner explained, as fast as it happened, it ended. There was talk that because Rose was more famous than Myra, that it had put her nose out of joint. So Myra didn't like that Rose was more famous. Oh, okay. I'd argue Myra Hindley's more famous, but it doesn't really matter, does it? That's not the no, point. who cares? Um, so... Myra Hindley died on the 15th of November 2002. And then on Wednesday, the 22nd of January 2003, it was reported in the papers that Rose West had been corresponding via letter for over a year with rock band Slade bass player Dave Glover. What? Do you know who Slade are? <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't they go, oh, I wish it could be Christmas every day. Isn't that That's their Slade, only I'm song? Sure. That's their only I'm song sure, that yeah. anyone knows. Yeah, that's that band, right? So he's uh, he was 36 at the time, so I think he was a new bass player in Slade. As if they need a new <laughs> bass player. But anyway, so he's he's 36 and Rose was 50 at the time. She had never met him in person, but they were hoping to marry in Durham's prison chapel and announced they were going to be married on the previous Sunday. However, just days later, Rose called it off, saying that she wanted to give this young man his life back. I want to give this young oh. man his life back. <laughs> I thought it was going to go the uh, the uh, Charles Manson route and be like, it's no. a bunch of garbage. No, no, no. Uh, her lawyer added, she sounded quite matter of fact when she told me the news. She just said, I want to tell you. <laughs> I can't stop doing it now. I want you to tell the press that the relationship is at an end. <laughs> Glover denied there was any wedding. So the the bassist, he was like, there was never a wedding. Um, it's a bunch of garbage. He he reputed the number of letters that they supposedly sent to one another. So we didn't deny that they sent letters. He just said it wasn't that many. <laughs> well, okay. Now that I hear that side from him, I'm wondering if she wrote to him as a fan, and then he was like, oh, this is an interesting fan to have correspondence mm. with. And it just went yeah. from there. No relationship, though. Maybe, Maybe she just Not took sure. it to heart. Yeah. So, nevertheless, he was sacked by the group's singer, Dave Hill, <laughs> who told the Birmingham Post, I was stunned when I heard what he was planning to do. I had absolutely no idea that he had any contact with Rose West or even had a girlfriend. I'm completely horrified. <laughs> it's very upsetting to me personally, and I'm glad to see the back of him. He's a nice bloke and all that, but this is just totally sick. He had to go for the good name of the band. Oh, man. Well for done. the band. Well done, Dave Hill. Listen, you weirdo. Yeah. I don't know what you were doing, but you're out of the band. You're, <laughs> you're out of look, Slade. You're a, nice, you're a nice bloke and all, but fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so on the 28th of January, 2018, the Daily Star, another absolute shit rag, um, mm. reported Rose receives wedding proposals at least once a month from men as young as 21. What? The headline was... Sicko's proposed to 18 stone evil killer Rose West. <laughs> what has her weight got to do with it? What has her weight so got to do with it? So misogynistic. 
And then in the article, they like have a pop at her for being fat and say like, oh, she's like busting out of her prison clothes and she's going to get type 2 diabetes. And I'm like, what has this got to do with anything? Nothing. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. Body shaming Rose West. Um, Any chance they get, they will body shame. Oh, fuck it. I was like, this is so unnecessary. A lot of people write to her from all over the world. This is what um, one one source said. A lot of people write to her from all over the world and she will often respond. More often than not, she will explain it might be a little bit difficult to marry her, given that she is facing the rest of her life in prison. And that is the story of the lovers of Rose West. Wow. I had no idea about Slade. (laughs) I laughed so hard. That's amazing. (laughs) Mad, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah wow so mad good job thanks mate it was actually quite fun to research because like i'd heard it offhand someone go didn't she nearly marry that bloke from slade and i was like don't be silly <laughs> and then, like i looked it up and i was like she fucking did it all <laughs> yeah. it's insane it's such um, a such a like twist in the story you're just like oh yeah bizarre. she fell in love with one of her with uh what's your name myra What's Myra Hindley. Myra Hindley. That's understandable, but Slade? I know. <laughs> and he wasn't even like the original member. He's just like a replacement <laughs> basis. Probably because the original member was so old he died or something. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, anyway, on that note, I'm going to love you and leave you because I can fucking smell a roast dinner and I can hear everyone having fun downstairs. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, thanks really for though. listening and enjoy your roast, Talissa, and we'll talk to you next thanks. week. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Transatlantic Crime this week. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review and subscribe. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Transat Crime Pod, Instagram at Transatlantic Crime and on Facebook with Transatlantic Crime Podcast. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Bye.